welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season three of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode 23. Let's get started. Okay. All right. Well, I will be starting the recap for episode six, titled 6995 Kilohertz. 6955. It's two fives. It's six nine five five. Okay, whatever. All right, so we see various people. One in Stockton Harbor, Maine, who is a light boat or lighthouse captain or something. One in Chinatown, New York, and one in Merrimack County, New Hampshire. We see these three different sets of people uh, logging onto a chat room and talking about turning into this channel 6955 or 6995, whichever, uh, frequency on this radio. Um, We see the final woman in Merrimack County, New Hampshire, who has a husband and a baby. We see her start to listen to the broadcast and start writing down numbers being spoken in different language. When she seems transfixed and starts convulsing, they then see the light boathouse captain doing the same thing and the same with the guy in Chinatown. And when they stop convulsing, they wake up and seem to not be able to remember who they are. The woman even goes so far as to pull a knife on her husband because she has no idea where she is and who he is. Uh, we see the fringe team, or excuse me, no, we see Peter bring Bolivia breakfast in bed along with the newspaper where he has hidden two tickets to see U2 because she mentioned liking the man U2. In a couple episodes back. Um, Bolivia tells him it's sweet and kind of romantic. And kind of looks at him weird. And he tells her not to seem so shocked. His cell phone rings and it's Walter telling him that he's in his old lab in Harvard. And looking at the device that Peter was working on. The doomsday device. He's very upset and thinks it's a bad idea for Peter to mess around with it. He tells Peter that if he ends up breaking the universe, this time it's on his head. Bolivia has kind of heard all this in the background and asked Peter what everything was about when her phone rings. Um, it's Broyles, and she tells them that they'll, they'll be on their way soon. So we get to the scene in New Hampshire, and we find out that 15 different people all up and down the eastern seaboard have retrograde amnesia all at the same time. It seems that they were all um, using shortwave radios the night before, and they were all turned in, tuned into that frequency. They question the husband, and he tells them that she was a moderator in a chat room that listened to number stations. Um, He tells them that the doctors don't know if she's going to regain her memory at at all, and um, he seems real sad. Walter and Broyles are in another room, and he notices a reel-to-reel recorder and um, tells Broyles about a story of him listening to Jimi Hendrix while high (laughs) back in the day. On one of those reel-to-reel recorders. Peter comes in and tells them that the husband mentioned his wife recorded what she listened to the night before on that reel-to-reel. Walter tells them they could lose their minds, too, if they listened to it and calls Peter Einstein. Real sarcastic. (laughs) He takes the tape off the reel and Peter tells them that she listened to to number stations and that she was trying to crack a code. Um... And Broyles seems to understand what he's talking about and says, and takes them to see Nina Sharp at Massive Dynamic. She tells them that they were hired by the Department of Defense several years ago to investigate number stations 
and that they only know them to be a string of numbers, uh, a list, a frequency that reports a string of numbers in a variety of languages. She plays the tape of one of them that they picked up several years ago, and they hear a man saying numbers in Spanish. Bolivia mentions that none of the broadcasts in the past have made anyone lose their memories before, and Nina says, well, not to their knowledge. Walter suggests Peter play the tape they recovered so they could all lose their memories and gives Peter a dirty lip. <laughs> he tells them that he would like to talk to the woman when she um, fills up to it, and then has an idea of how they can listen to the recording without losing their memories and gives Peter another crazy-eyed look. He asks Nina where the Child Development Center is, and Nina tells him what floor it's on, and Walter leaves the room. They all kind of look after him, and Peter is kind of looking puzzled. Nina tells Peter that he may want to escort him since the day before he was looking at a utility closet for a while, thinking it was the elevator. Mm. So Nina leaves. Um, Boliv- no, Peter leaves. Sorry, yeah, Peter leaves. <clears throat> Bolivia <clears throat> asked Nina if Asterix could take a look at all their research on number stations. And Nina says that's fine. Nina asked Bolivia if Peter and Walter are okay because it looks like there's something going on. Bolivia tells Nina that Peter's working on figuring out the device and Walter doesn't agree and won't help. He's putting up roadblocks. She suggests that Nina talks to him because they're close. Nina asks Bolivia, Olivia if she's having any luck, and Bolivia tells her she hasn't even tried. Nina says, well, that's not like you at all, and that you're usually way more direct with Walter than anyone else. Bolivia plays it off and tells her it's complicated and she doesn't want to push him too hard. She gets a phone call, and Nina stares at her and kind of funny, and then tells her, well, I'll, just, I'll go ahead and talk to him. <laughs> About this time, Nina, uh, excuse me, Bolivia gets word of another case. In Alford, Massachusetts, Broyles and Olivia Bolivia arrive at the scene of this uh, radio tower, and Broyles tells her that Homeland Security traced the broadcast from the night before to this tower. When they reach, um, they try to reach the staff, but there's no answer, so they're going there to investigate. Um, they're met there by the state police and are told that there was a break-in about 10.30 last night. They go in and find that all the staff has been killed, and they see this metal block box hooked up to all these wires floating and vibrating in the middle of the air, or in midair, basically. Um, a technician disconnects the device, and when he does, it falls to the counter, so it stops floating. Royal sprays an electric panel with print powder and tells them that it's impossible to do elect- microelectronics with gloves on so they can run the print and try to get an ID. Bolivia looks a little worried, but follows them out. Back at the lab at Harvard, we see Astrid taking um, the delivery of a bunch of different file boxes. Um, Peter and Astrid find Walter in the lab with a children's CNC, and he's used that to help demodulate the recording from the number station. He finds out that there's two different signals, one with the numbers being read and one with a pulse that he thinks is responsible for the amnesia. He thinks the device they found is responsible for that pulse. Peter hypothesizes that it was done because the people were close to finding out what the number stations were, or at least of cracking the code, and that someone doesn't want them to do that and have created this device to help them lose their memory. Peter notices that Walter used the soundboard that he was using to run diagnostics on the doomsday weapon device. 
Walter tells him that he doesn't care about the device that he's working on and walks away. Peter goes after him and Walter tells him that he asked him not to work on that device in his lab. And Peter tells him, well, they have to work on it because the other side is. And they need to know what it's for and what it does so that they can help combat whatever it is. Walter tells him that he's playing with fire and is being stubborn. Peter tells him that on the other side, the device came alive in his hands and responded just to him. So he can't just ignore it. About this time, Astrid comes in and tells him that she spoke with Olivia and is on her way back to the Woomer house to show them a picture of the suspect that they got an ID from the print. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the wife is now home and that Walter can question her. Uh, we see, About this time, we see a man walking through the woods to another radio tower with a box in his hands. We see that it is Marshall from Alias. I was going to say that, too. Ooh, ooh. Little Marshall from Alias. Ooh, ooh. But he's not Marshall in no. there, though. His name in the, sh- in the show is Joseph Feller. And um, when they get to the house, the husband tells them that they have never seen him before. Peter asks him if they can look at her computer, uh, look through her email to see if they can find anything. And the husband says yes. Walter is in another room talking to the wife. And he's asking her a few like generic questions. She gets teary-eyed when she notices a basket full of knitting and tells him that she doesn't recognize her baby or her husband and she doesn't know how she's going to be able to make it without knowing who they are. Walter tells her that the human brain is a resilient organ and a storage unit for everything she has ever known, seen, or felt. And that everything is still there whether she can find it or not right this moment. That kind of seems to um, make sense to her and she kind of feels a little bit better. Peter finds a list of everyone that Becky, the wife, spoke to about the number stations. And he asks Bolivia if she recognizes anyone on it. She doesn't. And Peter says, well, you remember Ed Markham, your favorite bookstore owner. Mm-hmm. And she kind of plays it off again. And Peter says, well, I'm going to go call him and see if he can help. About this time, Walter walks into the room looking real dejected and sad and tells her that he understands exactly what Becky is going through not recognizing mm-hmm. things in his life because he lived it too. We see Marshall, or Joseph Feller, um, <laughs> at work on another floating box, and he's soldering a chip onto an electronics board and putting it into the box. He hooks wires up to it and raises the volume on the transmission, and it begins to float. Mm-hmm. We next see a small airplane flying in a rainstorm, and it's a small plane too. Mm-hmm. Why it was flying in the rainstorm, I don't know. Had to get where it needed to go. The pilot is changing the frequency he's trying to get in with the air traffic control. When he stumbles across that frequency, 6955, and starts convulsing and screaming when he, you know, as he's going through listening to the transmission. Mm-hmm. And then we go to commercial. Mm-hmm. Now, when we come back... From commercial, then Astrid and Walter are in the lab at Harvard, because evidently Walter's using that lab for this time at Harvard. And and they're studying the first box that they confiscated. And then Astrid comes in the room and says that the airplane that went down in Maryland had its radio turned to the same frequency as the second numbers broadcast. And then Walter tells her, you know, so far six people have died and 20 people have have uh, this uh, retrograde amnesia, so just like, you know, all the other victims. Uh, Broyles calls on the phone, and he says that they found another cube at a radio tower that was unmanned, so this time no one got hurt. 
So he is sending the cube to Walter. So Walter is, is happy about that. Olivia and Peter go to Markham's uh, bookstore. You know, he's that rare bookstore owner, uh, kind of like a little freaky looking guy. And they want to question him. And, and Olivia, or Bolivia, uh, tells Markham that um, they have people who have listened to these two number station broadcasts so far, and they've all had their memories wiped. Well, Markham says, okay, he agrees to help them. But he says the number stations are as old as dirt. And he hands Peter this rare book. And the title of the book is The First People. And it was written in 1897. And the first people, supposedly, were even before were here even before the dinosaurs. And the book, uh, Markham tells them the book should tell them where the numbers came from and everything they need to know. And Markham says he doesn't want any money for the book. He just wants protection in case somebody comes to erase his memories. And Olivia gives Markham this, this funny look like, or Bolivia gives him this look like, mm, she didn't get it, you know? Yeah. Back at the lab, Astrid and Walter, they're unpacking that second cube when Nina Sharp comes in. And I, I mean, when have we seen Nina Sharp over at the Harvard lab? I don't know, Never. I don't know. But anyway, Nina Sharp comes in and she asks, uh, Walter, if she could speak to him, you know, privately. So they go outside into the sunshine and they're sitting on this park bench in, uh, uh, at the campus. And, you know, if you recall in the last episode uh, or earlier, she had told um, uh, Bolivia that she would talk to Walter. So she's sitting on the park bench and as she's trying to talk to Walter, Walter is smoking a joint. <laughs> out in the open, just smoking. And so it is really cute because he says to Nina, uh, when she looks at him with this joint, he says, I have a prescription. And Nina says, so do I. And she took that cigarette from him and started puffing away at the marijuana cigarette. They was cracking me up. But she talks to him about Peter and, you know, about Peter investigating this, uh, this device from Walternet. And, you know, Walter's trying to tell her that, you know, if Peter continues, then he'll play right into Walternet's hands. And so, you know, he tells her that Walternet has built as much as uh, of the device as he could. And then he gave Peter the blueprints and asked Peter to complete it. And he just doesn't want Peter to do that. When Nina tells Walter that, you know, even if all that is true, they don't know the outcome and neither does you. And even if it's true, I mean, nobody knows what's going to be the outcome and that Peter really needs Walter's guidance even more. And especially if it does turn out to be true. Yeah. And Walter seems to be kind of thinking that over like he never thought of it that way before, you know? So Nina says to Walter, you know, your optimism was one of the, uh, one of the few things that I really, really admired about you the most. And so Walter seems to have come to a decision that, yeah, Nina's probably right. Next we have, or then we see Bolivia and Peter, and they're in the car, and Peter and uh, Bolivia's driving, and Peter is telling uh, her about what the book says, and it's a book written by a man named Seamus Wiles, and it's called The First People, and he's flipping through the pages and stuff, and Peter sees a drawing of a calendar in the middle of the book, and so Peter asks Bolivia, well, what, are the, what were the numbers in the very first broadcast? Well, if you know... Our Olivia has a photographic memory, but Bolivia does not. So therefore, she's kind of hesitating, but she finally gets, gets the numbers out. She repeats them kind of slowly, and then Peter says, those are the same numbers that match the calendar in this book. 
called the first people. So Peter says somehow the numbers are connected to the first people written in this book way back in 1897. So back at the lab, Astrid is reading the book because, you know, Peter has bought the book back and everything. And Peter is, is working with Walter on the cube, on that second cube. And they're discussing how the book says that the first people discovered a mechanism called, that they called the vacuum, which had the power to create and destroy everything. Hmm. And so, wait a minute. And so they theorized that the people, the first people who's, or the people nowadays whose memories were wiped, they probably cracked the code to the numbers and that their memories were wiped away to protect the number secrets. That's what Peter seems to think. Olivia enters the room and she gives Walter a box of, it's, it's malasadas. It's something to eat called malasadas. And Walter seems very, very pleased. So he's back in the background eating. And Peter finds a little transistor radio, you know, the same transistor that we saw, we saw Joseph soldering into the cube. He finds it and he says, wait a minute, this has a little serial number on it. This is a modern part and these are military grade Polish parts and you have to register in order to buy them. So of course they're going to track to see who bought that, that thing. So Olivia leaves the room when Olivia hears that or Bolivia hears that. Ooh, she's sneaky. She leaves the room saying that she's got to let Broyles know. Now, how come she couldn't just call him on the phone? But anyway, so while she's in her little car, she drives to the home, straight to the home of Joseph Fuller, Feller. And, yeah, who we now know is a shapeshifter. See, we didn't know. We don't know that yet. Well, we know now. But anyway, so when he gets there, when she gets there, she tells him, okay, look. They know about the transistor, the component, and everything. And uh, Olivia tells him they're going to be arriving very, very soon. And so, uh, of course, you know, Joseph is looking at her like, well, I don't care. You know, whatever. So back at the lab, Olivia, uh, excuse me, Astrid is drawing a chart on this glass little wall that they have. Kind of like an eraser board, but it's glass. And she's asking Walter to read all the numbers from the calendar that's in the book about written about the first people. So he's reading her the numbers and she's putting them in this little chart that she's making. Now back at Feller's apartment, uh, Olivia tells Joseph that, you know, he has jeopardized the whole mission and there was no need to kill a- any more innocent people. And Olivia gets a, a call from Broyles saying that, you know, they've ID'd the person as Joseph Feller. They're on the way to his address right now. She says, okay, I'm on my way because she's already there. So she tells Joseph, uh, look, they're going to be here any minute. Uh, and so Joseph says, okay, well, you know, where should I go? What's my next, uh, 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 assignment? You got any information on my next thing? And Olivia looks at him and says, yeah, I do. We know then, you know, she probably going to do something. Then we see Broyles and, you know, all of them arriving at the apartment building that Joseph Feller's in. And Peter gets out of the car and he's shouting to Broyles that, oh, look, Olivia's already here because he sees Olivia's car. So at that moment, we hear two gunshots and then Joseph flies out the window and splats on the ground. And we see the mercury coming out of his body. So we know he a shapeshifter. So Peter rushes up to the, to the apartment to see, to make sure Olivia's okay. And of course, Bolivia rushes out of the hallway and she, she flies in. Yeah, she flies into Peter's arms and, you know, is acting all like, I had to do it. I had to do it. He, he attacked me, you know. And she said she had to shoot him. Mm-hmm. Okay, back at the lab, Astrid has figured out the numbers or she's trying to figure out the numbers. And 
back at the the scene of um, of um, Joseph's death at the apartment building, then Peter is digging out the memory chip from Joseph's spine. But when he holds it up, it's all bent and everything. And while he's digging it out, Bolivia is looking worried. She's standing there looking worried. Like yeah, she doesn't. She looks uh -oh. like she knew it wasn't gonna work. Well, anyway, and so it's all you know bent and everything, so they can't use it. So Astrid, Astrid calls Olivia, Bolivia, and I, why can't she call Walter or Peter? You know, but anyway, she calls Bolivia and she says that she has cracked the code and she knows now what the numbers are. So back at the lab, Astrid explains to them that the number stations are le uh, longitude and latitude and their coordinates of specific locations. So Astrid says that she found 22 locations so far. And so Peter asks her, okay, so... What location is the closest? Well, next scene we're at, we're at the closest one. It's in Jersey City, New Jersey. And they are digging at this location of one of the number codes. And it, uh, it's a big, huge excavation going on. And Peter has uh, uh, just walked up and he's given Olivia or Bolivia a cup of coffee, a, a hot chocolate, something. And she's talking to Peter about, you know, what if Walter is right and that Peter might destroy the world if he builds Waltonette's device. And of course, you know, she, she asked if he knew that he could only save one of the universes and the choice was his, would he have a choice in doing anything to save his world? And, of course, Peter says that there are billions of innocent people over there in the alternate universe and that he could not make that decision because he believes that there's another way. He does not believe that either one or the other has to be destroyed. He believes. Okay, the workmen at the uh, excavation site, they find a large dirt-encrusted box with alien markings on them. And when they open it up, it's a piece of Walternet's machine. Well, about that time, Astrid calls Bolivia again, and Astrid says that she has mapped out the last coordinate, the last numbers, and the last number was in Milton, Massachusetts, which is where they found the first piece of Walternet's machine. Astrid asked Olivia, or Bolivia, if the locations uh, are where pieces of the machine described in the first people book, if that's where they're located, and Bolivia, of course, says yes. Olivia tells Peter and Walter at the scene that Astrid finished the code and there are 37 more locations. Mm. Walter says, well, they need to find all the pieces, assemble the device and find out how it works. And of course, Peter seems very pleased and very surprised all at the same time. And of course, Olivia or Bolivia is looking kind of pleased, but she didn't want to, you know, be too pleased. Back at the lab, so Olivia goes back to the room. The next scene, we see Bolivia. She's going back to that little typewriter store, and she's going back into the little room where the typewriter is, the typewriter shop, and she sits down at the desk. There's nothing in that room but a typewriter, a stack of paper, and a little mirror sitting on the desk. So Olivia, Bolivia starts typing, and she says, they've located the pieces of the device. After a, a, a couple seconds, then Walternet answers, well done, initiate phase two. And then, of course, we see Bolivia looking up from the typewriter and just looking, you know. Mm. Now, 
The next scene we have, we're in the alternate universe and we see our Olivia. She's getting out of the shower when she sees her earpieces flashing red. They wear these earpieces for their phones and it's flashing red. So she answers the call and it is Brandon at the Department of uh, Defense lab and he's telling her that the tests that they were going to do for that day have been postponed. And she says, well, she was you know, just getting ready. She, she she could be there in a minute. And when Olivia asks, well, uh, you know, then when are you going to reschedule it? Then Brandon says, well, that may not be necessary. We'll let you know. And then he hangs up. So after she takes the earpiece out, then Peter appears and he says, you have to get out of here. Peter tells her whatever they needed from you, they have it now. It's not safe for you here anymore. And Olivia uh, or he says, it's not safe for you here anymore, Olivia, and you have got to go home. Olivia looks scared and like she knows that he is speaking the truth, but she just is looking there. And that's the end. Woohoo, that was a great That was episode. a good one. At first, I thought when they when they showed the alternate universe, I thought, okay, what's going on? I know. That I know. was good. I like that they kind of put that both into the same episode. Mm-hmm. But I tell you. I am so sick and tired of Bolivia. Oh, yeah. And nobody getting that she is the <laughs> fake Olivia. I'm mm-hmm. just real tired they of it. They should have put more clues or more uneasy feelings or, or something. something. The only uneasy feeling we have got this whole time is Nina Sharp. When she yeah. was staring at her like, uh-oh, something's up. And all the little things that Peter has noticed about her that's different, he hasn't even yep. paid attention to it. But... If you recall, it probably it, it, it kind of goes along with the storyline. Remember the senator that turned out to be a shapeshifter? Yeah. And he was he had a conversation with Bolivia saying, you know, there's all those little things. You can't tell me that she didn't notice something about her husband all this time. All the little things she probably thought, mm, that's kind of different, but you just, you just don't yeah, check it. You just put it in the back of your mind. He's doing the same thing. Yeah. He's doing the same thing. Wait till he finds out, because he's got to eventually find out by the season end. Oh. <laughs> well, shit, I hope by the season end. We still have... If no other reason, then to quit sleeping with the child. Well, it's like 20-something <laughs> episodes in the season. Well, first of yeah, all, yes. That's true. Can we quit sleeping together? <laughs> I know. Him bringing her breakfast in the morning and getting in the bed. I was like, oh, please. I know. I don't like that. me. Gag me. I don't like that at all. And all that. I mean, I like I like the chemistry that Peter and Olivia have, yeah. but not the sexual chemistry. Well, what's going to be interesting is, you know, whenever they do find all this out and everything, he's going to realize that he was sleeping with the wrong one. Well, yes. Duh. Mm, and mm, hopefully mm. when she does come back, she's like, I don't want to sleep with you. Yeah, yeah. That hey, you did that back. with whoever. We yeah. wasn't trying to hook up, mm-hmm. you know? Because I'm hoping enough people have told them they don't like this storyline, but maybe I hope people so. do. I don't know. I just don't like I it. I don't like it either. But I, I, I did like this episode a lot, just in the fact that it kind of brought up some things for Walter because we don't get to yeah. see enough crazy Walter anymore. <laughs> I mean, he's still kind of crazy and eccentric, but he kind of, I like how they kind of tied in all the stuff that he went through in the first mm-hmm. and second season with, you know, being drugged up and oh, yeah. losing his memories and all, all that, that stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of like how they brought that back. Um, My favorite scene is Walter and, uh, and Nina Sharp sitting on the park bench smoking that pot. 
That was that was so funny. That was so funny. He says, uh, oh, I have a prescription. She said, so do I. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was so funny. And then the part when Nina does catch Olivia and like, well, that's not like you. Why, yeah. why wouldn't you talk to Walter about it? Mm-hmm. But the way she just looked at her. Like, yeah, like, uh-huh, okay, Something's uh-huh. not quite right. Because she has been, or or she's known about the alternate universe and stuff and helped, you know, Walter and everything. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Another scene that I really liked with Nina was when she came to the lab, the Harvard lab, and says, hello, Astrid. And it's like she made a point to say, hello, yes. Astrid. And Astrid looked at her like, uh-huh. And I was thinking I know, there's I know. some kind of hidden something with that. Yeah. Because why make the point of she exaggerating did. hello Astrid, Astrid like see you again. But Astrid didn't respond by oh hello Miss Sharp no, or she's nothing. Kind of nodding her head mm-hmm. like mm, Nina, whatever. Mm-hmm. So and I then she know said, the story. Then she said, uh, I need to talk with you alone. So they went outside, you know. Yeah. So they went outside, so hmm, what was up with that? Well, hmm. she meant Walter. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, she could, he, she could have just talked to him in the lab. No, because she wanted to tell him yeah, that she wanted true. him to do that device and probably, you know, try to manipulate him a little bit yeah, at the same true. time. But yeah, I want to know what's up with, with Astrid and Nina. I really, I mean, we had a lot of Astrid in this episode, which I love. Mm-hmm. And I like her going her. over the numbers. And it was good to see for a change, it was like Walter was her assistant. Yeah. He was bringing her yeah, a sandwich. She was the one coming up with a theory yep. and writing everything down. And I really like that part. I just think it is so cool how Astrid can mentally figure things out like Walter does. But uh, but the alternate Astrid uses all these uh, uh, computers and stuff. Well, they have more technology there. That's true, too, but... So, I think she's still smart. She just uses yeah, that uh-huh. more than this Astrid does. I think that's really cool. But, yes. How they've done that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I like that they did show us more clues of Bolivia messing up. Yes. Kind of like Olivia messing up in the alternate universe. Yes. I like seeing it, even though nobody really recognized it. But that's you know, what... Uh, she forgot. She doesn't she didn't have a photographic memory, like you said. She does not. She's, she came up with a couple of numbers, and Peter supplied the rest. Yep. Um, when he was asking her and about that... And he should that, be peeping that out. I know. Thank Dang. you. Dang. And then when he was asking her about the Ed Markham, and she's like, who? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that was a big one. That flop. was a big one. That um, was a big one. And then when we saw that little Ed guy again, who I'd forgotten about, it cracked me up. He had his glasses held with that little twine. Yes. It was so funny. But, you know, it would have been cool if he would have said something and she kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, but but she'd already done that two or three times in this episode. So, you know. But she does it at least once or twice in every episode. But I will say they're changing her a little bit, Bolivia, in Mm. that it seems like now that her and Peter have hooked up, Mm-hmm. She's starting to kind of, you know, because um, what's his name, the guy that she that died, that yeah. shapeshifter guy. I can't think of what I his, can't think of his name now. Name now, but All the main sudden, shapeshifter. Yeah, the main dude. He told her, "You're not committed to this process. So you're not going to make it." And it seemed like it took her a long time to get into character mm-hmm. to sleep with Peter to get his trust and all that yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. So Newton, his name was Newton. Newton. That's right. And so it seems like now that she's done that, she's kind of wanting to justify mm-hmm. what she's doing in that last scene. With uh, them. It's especially. Like, yes. It's yes. like, well, 
don't you think you would do anything you had to to make sure that your universe would be okay and that... And he's telling her no. So I kind of took it two ways. One, she's trying to justify what she's doing with him and Walter and everyone else. Mm -hmm. And another is justifying what she knows is going to happen, which is this universe is going to be killed when Mm -hmm. they figure out what they need to figure out for the alternate universe. But that's what she believes will happen. Right. Now, I think the biggest clue in this whole episode was that little bitty conversation on the park bench between Nina Sharp and Walter. That's it. Because when he's laying out all this and all that Walter Ned has done and how it was, uh, he needed Peter to complete the device and stuff. And Nina says something I think that will prove to be true by the end of the uh, the season. And then she says, but how do you know that's, that's what's going to happen? Right. That's just what he says is going to happen. How do you know? Right. See, she's, that's she's what like, I'm that thinking. That doesn't have to be the reality. So maybe once they build this device, and Walter, uh, uh, with all his little crazy stuff, Walter is ruthless and stuff, but Walter's smart. Right. Walter knows a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he does his best when he hides. And so does Peter. <laughs> yeah, Peter knows a lot of stuff. But when Walter self-medicates, as he points it yep. out, he can think of some good stuff, yep. you know. So, uh, and Walter... Another thing, the reason why I think Nina is right, and that's because unlike Walternet, Walter works with all of them as a team. Walternet does not. He tells no. them what to do. Yeah. And he tells them how's it, how it's going to be. So therefore, they're getting their cues from Walternet, where Walter has the advantage of Astrid is very, very smart in her in her way. Peter's very smart in his way. Olivia's very well, smart in her way. they're more of a team here. Yeah. Whereas in exactly. the other universe, he doesn't really know them. Because it mm-hmm. seems like every time uh, Walter and it comes around our Olivia in the alternate universe, she's like, oh, senator or director or whatever. Secretary. Secretary. It's, I mean, they're so formal. Yes. Yes, but he so, doesn't interact with them. Exactly. See, so so I think that will, that will prove to be uh, fatal also for the alternate universe. I, think, I don't know. I think so. I mean, I like. I don't know how they're gonna do this. I'm interested to see because I don't want one or the other to no to survive. I kind of want them to take the parts of the I think they're going to probably that I like and bring them to. Well, this is what I think is going to happen by by season end. I think they're probably going to close the door, meaning they're still going to be the the two universes, but they're going to do something to close. Something so they can't get over back Uh-oh. and forth. No, you don't think so? No, because that'd be the end of the whole show. No, it wouldn't, not necessarily. The whole point of the show has been from the beginning these weird events, and it's all centered around these breaches in the universe. Right. And but someone even, coming if, from... even if they closed it though, then the whole next season would be trying to open it back up. No, I, I don't think they can close it. Hmm. I think they might try to figure out. How to defeat this enemy of this season, which is Walternet. And what they want to do with this Doomsday device. Or maybe the Doomsday device is going to do something else in this universe. I'd like to know what they think they're going to do once it's here. You know, we don't know what the whole aim of it is. That's true, but I'm really sick of of Bolivia being, being everywhere all the time, listening to all the stuff, and then she goes and, 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 Gets one step ahead. I'm just tired of it. Well, yeah, but you know what? We're really, in reality, we're only six episodes in. I know. To the season. 
And they can't, is it six? Yeah, six episodes in, and they can't get rid of that storyline to get all together in, in six episodes. That's true. They've but, got 22. But somebody's got to start episodes. noticing something. Now, that's what I would say. You know. You need to have somebody start noticing At least somebody stuff. be suspicious <laughs> and try to catch her up or something, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, come on now, people. Exactly. That's what I say, too. <laughs> okay. Well, all that's right. all the comments I have for this episode. Me, too. That's it. All right. Well, if you'd like to send us an email, uh, please do so at sisterspeak at gmail.com. Our voicemail number is 972-692-7341. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Speak podcast and we are both on twitter at underscore sister j and underscore sister k please let us know what you think about the season so far and we would love to hear from you okay that's it for now i'm sister k and i'm sister j see you next time